listening to Booze. Bullshit. And true crime. I'm Bree, and my chair is really squeaky. And I'm Wade, and I have no complaints. <laughs> you will be hearing our animals throughout this podcast episode, though. I think throughout the whole series, you can hear Lupin. Yeah, and my wife decided she was going to start the dishwasher before we recorded, too. Oh, so. no. Hold on. I'm going to fix that. As she walks to the dishwasher to cancel it, and we'll forget after the podcast to restart it. Yeah, well, I'm making a valiant effort. Did you turn it off? I tried to. Can you turn it off? Pause. I'm going to get a not squeaky chair, and Wade's going to actually turn off the dishwasher. And we're back. All right. All right, all right, all right. I should have made some elevator music, but there was only like a 30-second pause on there we didn't record. Well. Okay. What are we doing today? Uh, what are we doing today? The Red that. Market. A tale of illegal organ trade. Uh, mine's about things that happen with organ transplants, though. Still along the same lines. Okay. That's cool. just what I named my notes. Oh, I actually didn't even name my notes. I always name my notes. And I'm pretty sure I named my notes the wrong episode, too. I think I said, like, <laughs> 37. You put, the no- you put the episode on there, but not a title. Yeah, wait, even then, that was still wrong. I'm pretty sure we're up to like 35 or something. No, I think we're 37. Oh, well, I got it right. I don't know. We'll figure it out before we uh, upload this. But it might be a mini. I didn't get a crazy amount of notes, but what I did get was really interesting because there's a lot of like monotonous statistics out there that... Almost got two pages. Good. (laughs) Oh, there's the dog. Barking at the cat. Who's being a dickhead. Yes. So we're going to be working from home now, so that's pretty sweet. Not like actually like physically in our house, but we'll be going to our bed every night, so that'll be different. We've been in West Point, and before that we were in Grass Valley, both in California, and they're both little mountain towns. One's a lot smaller than the other. We were traveling for like eight months, so good yeah. to be home. Yeah. Get some shit done around the house. It'll be weird. Get our taxes done. Get our money back. Uh huh. Buy some couches and a bed. Because yeah. we're adults. Are we? I don't know. I don't feel like it. Well, I'm going to feel like it once we buy couches and a bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, Saturday, Wade and I went to this lady's house. and it was Sunday. Saturday, we went snowboarding. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Today's Monday. It's all a blur. Mm-hmm. Wade called in sick because he pooped so much. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you talk about it freely with everyone, and I say it into a microphone, and now you're shy. Yep. <laughs> Had explosive diarrhea, couldn't go in. Ew, and I'm pretty sure that's what he told our manager. I have really bad diarrhea. Yep, sorry for the inconvenience, but... My asshole would be an even more inconvenience if I was out in the field. You can say, like, I'm having digestive issues. I could just say explosive diarrhea, and everybody is either won't text you back or says, copy that, got it, and will not ask you any further questions. Well, yeah, because you pretty much laid it out. Exactly. So why would I just not lay it out there? Oh, it's just weird. 7 o'clock in the morning, I don't really want to 
be having to text my supervisor while I'm pooping every ten minutes. <laughs> so, one one and done. It's the only thing that was one and done this morning. What? <laughs> Nothing. My butthole wasn't one and done. <laughs> butthole jokes. Butthole puns. Um, we had a barbecue with one of our coworkers that we sadly don't get to work with anymore. And his daughter is literally the cutest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I gave her a hula hoop. Gave her a hula hoop. Gotta hoop start him young. Hoop la. Hoop la la. Alright, are you ready? I've been ready. Okay. You've been taking too long. Eh, I've taken five minutes. That is five minutes too long. That's not that long. Is there anything else you'd like to say before I proceed? Five minutes now. I. Nothing. I have nothing to say. Okay. All right. Okay. Bye. So, we're talking about the illegal trade of organs and the trade of organs in general, but the more true crimey aspect is the illegal trade. But first. What really is an organ? Like, what classifies something as an organ? An organ is defined as a part of a living organism that is generally self-contained and performs a specific vital function, like the heart or the liver. Oh, there is something I forgot to say. Oh, what you forgot to say? That last week's episode, I was so extremely intoxicated that I listened back to it, and part of it doesn't make sense. Because you skipped a page? No, that's not drunk. why. Yeah, just because I was drunk. Well, drunk history. So if it, it quite literally was drunk history. So if a little bit of that doesn't quite make sense to you, no, it just doesn't make sense. Okay, sorry. I just remember that. She was probably drunk and stoned while writing the notes and then just drunk when she was reading the notes so she couldn't remember what she wrote. I definitely wasn't intoxicated when I wrote the notes, but I was plenty intoxicated when I said the notes. I think that was the whole issue. Okay. Okay. Figured it out. So, we talked about what an organ is. Organs are in high demand and low supply. Uh, On average, 20 people die waiting on the organ donor list nationwide in the U.S. every day. That's a lot. A lot of people, yeah. Yeah. Astonishingly, 114,000 people are currently on the wait list in our country waiting on, you know, a life-saving organ because you can only function so long on dialysis or what have you. Uh, It's a quick fix. My dad was actually on dialysis. Mm -hmm. And then his kidneys just, like, magically started working again. Sweet. I mean, that's not a thing, really, but I'm happy that it happened. Those machines are crazy. You can see all the blood circulate through it, and it's huge. It's like the size of a big doorway. Like, it's gigantic, and they just wheel this thing in, and all your blood pumps through, and it's a trip. Whoa. Yeah. Crazy to watch. Uh, every 10 minutes, a new name is added to the wait list as well. So, you can see why they're so in. So, since you took these notes, there has been multiple people that have been added to it. Since I started these notes, there's been somebody that's been added to it. Like, since we started this podcast, pretty much, we're at, like, eight minutes. Damn. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. And people's organs wear out. 
you know, naturally it happens. Or people run through their livers because they love things that are bad for them. Yes. Lots of scenarios. So, you can see the dire situation people are in that are waiting on organs. A lot of people just pass away because they can't outlive the time it takes to receive an organ because it's years and years and years. On top of waiting for the organ, you're also waiting for a match, too. You know, like blood type and shit. Yeah. But there are something called anti-rejection medications that have been formulated. I don't know if you're going to talk about this or not. I was going to, but I decided not to. Okay. But it's simple. It's basically just you take these medications for the rest of your life, and it helps your body not completely reject that organ. Because some people, even if it's the same blood type, same everything, they put the organ in, it still rejects it. So that just makes sure that didn't happen because you just waited eight fucking years for it. Yeah. So can you imagine if it rejected? Uh, The wait time I'm talking about in the U.S., it's not like that everywhere. It's not years and years and years to wait to get an organ everywhere. Take China, for example, where all good things happen. Yes. <laughs> you do a real job over there. Real good job. Uh, real good. Doing real good. You can wait anywhere from one day to one month max to get a new organ. Okay? Something called organ tourism is prevalent here as well. So people... You know, fly in from other countries on a tourist visa. Just say they're coming to take in the lay of the land. And they pay money to receive a new organ and transplant while they're in the country. And then they go on their merry fucking way and live. Yes. Yeah. There's a disconnect, though, here. The number of organ donors in the country versus how many organs they are transplanting just don't add up. Um, one of the sources that I used for this, I didn't really take any notes while I was listening to this podcast. I was just listening to it to kind of like get my head around this whole red market thing. Um, but it's called stuff they don't want you to know. And they were talking about how a wide set religion in China, part of their religious belief is that they don't like getting bombed. They don't, they can't be donors essentially. Yeah. Because they're religious belief. So that's even crazier that a larger percentage of Chinese people don't donate their organs, but the wait time is like a 20th of what it is in the U.S. Weird. Dun, dun, dun. Right? Then the true crime comes in. There have been whispers for years of China executing prisoners. Uh, even expediting this process when necessary. So if there's somebody that needs an organ and they're getting low and that person's supposed to be executed in six months, they just... Do it in a month instead of six. Hurry it on up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then they cut the vital organs out of the corpses to sell on the red market and the organ exchange. Um, I It's like pretty much a fact that this is happening there's even reported cases of them running low on vital organs things like that and becoming like more aggressive and basically arresting more people so then they can (laughs) harvest more organs potentially because i know the laws are a lot stricter over there um i mean i don't know how do you feel about that 
Yeah, it's different. I don't really know how I feel about it. Because they're also doing it to dead people, too. Yeah, if somebody's already going to die on death row. Well, they're doing it to people that are already dead, that are coming in as John Doe, and we can't get identified, and they're or, you know harvesting their organs. Yeah, and actually, there was, on that podcast I listened to, Stuff They Don't Want You To Know, about organ, illegal organ, I keep wanting to say the organ trail. You have died of having your organs removed, not of diphtheria. Okay, um, what was I going to say? I have no idea. God damn it. You went off ranting and raving and shit, and I couldn't follow so, okay, I remember. They interviewed this surgeon, and he was working in a prison when he was younger, and he gave an account of, basically, he was being told to harvest organs out of the body before the person was dead. Whoa. So, like, I think they had shot him in the head and then instructed him to cut the organs out, but, like, he was making cuts and the guy was bleeding, so he's like, this guy isn't dead. Like, he's bleeding. Yeah. Real fucked up. Real fucked up. So, basically, the prisons are making profit on the organs that they sell out of their facility, essentially. The buyer makes profit off of the organs, so whoever buys the organ from the prison is then going to make a bunch of money off the tourist or local that they sell the organ to. And the government gets kickbacks just to turn a blind eye to it, which that's it's some pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, makes sense. It all works for each itself. Yeah. And just perpetuates. I've also read reports coming out of India where officials had taken advantage of rural villages by offering them small sums of money for organ donations, such as, like, you know, donating your kidney or a part of a liver. All of the villagers ended up with the same matching scars from the procedures a lot of the time, especially in a very specific case. Um, I wrote this later on in my notes... But I'll touch on it right now, and then if there's more details, I'll go over those too. Um, but there was this Indian refugee camp that was hit by a tsunami. And organ brokers is what they call them. People who, like, fucking sell organs on the red market. Found, like, a very lucrative situation down there because these people were so desperate. Like, they were already desperate, and then a tsunami took away the little bit that they had. Yeah. So, like, in that village, kidneys were what all the women gave, and in Indian culture, it's, you know, normal to show your midriff, so you see all these women walking around with all these scars on their midriff in the same spot. But they took advantage of these poor fucking people! And there was a lady that came out of that refugee camp, and it kind of told a brief story about her, but basically, her daughter... Okay, so she lost her husband in the tsunami. Sorry, I'm like remembering my notes from memory because this is farther ahead of my notes. Um, but she lost her husband in the tsunami, so she was single and holding it together. And then her daughter fell ill. She got sick and needed some kind of procedure. And hospitals will serve anybody here, but I guess it's different in India. And they needed like a deposit of like $1,000 or $1,100, $1, something like that to begin the procedure. 
And so the mom just like was like, fuck it, and went in and sold her fucking kidney, and her daughter could get some health care. Savage. It's intense and really, really sad. Very sad. Uh, another example of the red market was an organ-stealing ring that was recently discovered by Turkish police. Transplant surgeon Yusef Sanmez was arrested for operating a ring that even involved Koskov's prime minister, Hashimi Tasi. Koskov? What? No. Kos- oh. Kos- Kosovos. Kosovos? I can't say any of these places. Oh, man. Sounds like you said Costco. It was in Turkey somewhere. Got it. A city in Turkey. But the prime minister was involved in the organ ring. Got it. That is crazy. I wonder if he was making money off it, probably, right? Most likely. These people in this organ ring literally lured innocent victims from Central Asia and Europe with, like, a promise of money or whatever, harvested their organs without their consent so whatever they came over for they were not told that they were going to get cut open and their organs were going to get taken out they didn't get any compensation and those organs were sold for up to a hundred thousand dollars damn that's a lot of fucking organ money compensation no compensation they just woke up with a fucking scar or an open wound i guess sutured wound at that point yeah very scary. It's like a fucking horror movie. Isn't that a horror movie, actually? No. Hmm. I was thinking of Hostel. Oh, no, I know what Hostel is. That's yeah. different. Now, this operation we just talked about in Turkey's Grizzly, but it's not completely unusual. The World Health Organization, or WHO... Who can it be now? I don't know who can it be. And I also have Costco's Who Prime Minister. Are you? written down because those are the only things I th- thought the when hoops. I saw that acronym. The WHO. World Health Organization. Anyways, they estimate that upwards of 10% of the world's organ transplants originate from the red market. So 10% of organ transplants are illegal. Damn. At least. One That's in ten. A pretty big percentage. Organs are hard to come by, man. They really are. They really are. While arrests do happen in relation to the red market, like in the case we just spoke of, that surgeon that they arrested in Turkey, arrests are rather infrequent. No one is actually trying to shut this market down, and there's a couple of reasons for this. Number one, it's extremely lucrative. Either you're making buckets of money from the market directly, or number two, someone is paying you buckets of money to not get them in trouble, essentially. Just shut the fuck up about it. As a whole, the idea of buying and selling body parts just makes us squeamish as a society. It was, like, weird for me to think about. Kind of. Especially when they're being forcefully taken out of somebody's body or somebody's being killed so they can be harvested. Like, that's just because you have more money. Which, this shit is very expensive if you're doing it on the red market. Yeah. Believe you me. It's a lot. It's one thing for a person in need of an organ to be supplied with one that is donated from within the system that we're comfortable with. It's different, though, once it becomes commerce, essentially, and people are literally buying and selling body parts of other people. It's just kind of, like, dark. That's not to say, though, that a legal party... Party party... 
That's not to say, though, that illegal body part commerce has never existed in the States, because it has, just with blood, instead of other body parts, but blood's vital. Yeah. I don't know if it's an organ, but it's a vital mm. fluid. Fluid. Fluid? Fluid. What? It has completely lost meaning. During the mid-1960s, blood collecting clinics brought in an astonishing six million pints of blood a year. Damn. It's a lot of blood. Fuck my blood. Yeah. Where the vampires at? Yeah. Or the mean girls in Carrie who fucking... <laughs> yes. Wasn't that pig's blood? Yes. Eh, we're pretty much like pigs. Same thing. Yeah. That's it. I don't... Yeah, I guess Lupin and I have a lot of similarities. Our pig... Sure. We get grouchy, we like cuddles, we like to be warm. Yes. Anyways, sorry, quite a tangent. Okay, six million pints of blood, but here's the kicker. At that time, they were paying donors about $25 a piece for people to come in and donate. Okay? Do you see why that could be bad? Mm-mm. No? I can tell you why it could be bad. Why? Because why? it happened. This system came about during World War II when blood was a scarcity and in high demand within the war effort, so they needed it for, like, transfusions, okay. I believe. Sadly, though, these blood-collecting clinics became the equivalent of a cash-for-gold business in a slum off the side of the road that you go to for a crack rock. Okay. Yeah. So they started popping up all over Skid Rose, all across the nation, these obviously began presenting problems for the medical system as a whole because poor and less healthy people were more likely to sell their blood for a quick buck. Paid blood collection facilities led to higher rates of hepatitis transmission. Oh, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I didn't think that. Yeah. Bad. Back to present time, though. Our current system for the exchange of body parts and blood work off of a system of anim. Aminit, aminit, why can't I say this word? Aminimity. There you go. Like, you don't know where it's coming from. Amimini? Aminimini? That thing. The source of the donation can be impossible to track down. All... What? Okay. So, there... Basically what I'm trying to say in my notes that don't make any fucking sense. The laws are there to protect the donor's privacy. So... I have heard of cases of people finding out who their donors were, like I'm sure Wade's going to talk about. But I, I know this is weird, but I think it's like an adoption. Like, you know how you can have open adoptions, you can have closed adoptions, and you can have somewhere in the middle? Yeah. I think it's like that. Yeah. So you can figure out in instances. But most people do it, and that's it. Or you already know the person. Like, if Wade and I had the same blood type and both of his kidneys failed, you know... I would give him my kidney, like something like that. So the anemone of the donors, <laughs> you are not giving me anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I just, every time I say it, I just remember the little octopus from Finding Nemo. I know. The anemones. Noggin. <laughs> Different character, same movie. So. Not knowing, who, not knowing who the donors are or not being able to track down the donors can make the supply chain of organs impossible to track down. 
in red market sales and they just continue. So even for investigators or police to track it down, if they even give a shit enough to do so, they can't even really track down where a lot of these organs are coming from. Sometimes because they're being stolen out of people's fucking bodies, which I think, yeah. Yeah, but you still get the the DNA from that organ. So what are they going to do? Operate on you again to get the DNA off the organ? I don't know. I don't know how they do it. I don't think that's a good plan. Okay. I'm telling you, that's why it's hard for them. Okay. Tell me <laughs> some more then. I'm almost done telling you. In 2008, for an example... An Indian red market broker was arrested for literally kidnapping people off the streets of New Delhi so he could steal their kidneys to sell to foreign transplant plate. Foreign transplant patients. Damn. Wow. Yeah. But just straight up kidnapping people, cutting them open, ripping their kidneys out, throwing them back. It's terrifying. That's insane. There's somebody in Florida that was doing that too, I think. That's like my worst nightmare. And that nightmare. they're leaving him in like a fucking tub of ice. Unless that was a movie. I'm just really stoned thinking of a movie right I now. I think that was a movie, but I bet it came from somewhere. I think it did. I bet a case stemmed from that. We should have looked I'm that up. I'm pretty sure that there's like a big old thing about people going somewhere and then waking up in a hotel with the fucking missing kidney. It definitely was a movie. Well, listen, or listen, fucking God damn it! follow us on Instagram and Facebook and we'll tell me. Yeah, I'm sure there's a case connected to it. Probably. Is. Somebody send me an article and I'll totally talk about it. Do it. Booze, bullshit, and true crime on Instagram and Facebook or email me, booze, BS, and true crime at gmail.com. Okay. Another heartbreaking example of the red market wreaking havoc. Oh, this is the refugee camp. So I pretty much went over everything with the daughter that she had to fucking give up her kidney to keep her alive mm -hmm. and that's pretty much where i ended my notes so that was uh my little little baby dive into uh the red market i'm really excited for what i told you to do your research on. yeah so she told me to do my research on like transplant patients taking characteristics of their donor and it's kind of interesting because i found a few like pros and cons or not really pros and cons I guess it'd just be like theories and skeptics theories okay got you you know what I'm saying so yeah like, so got you you know what people think is really happening compared to what you know other people are thinking what's happening oh I'm excited okay anyways my the first story that I'm going to talk about is about a 63 year old man in 2006, he had, like, this guy said he had, like, zero artistic abilities. Like, I mean, he was like, I could draw stick figures, but my stick figures still look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he actually went, uh, he un went, uh, you can't God talk damn, either. I can't, underwent heart surgery or transplant. He underwent an anemone. Anemones, <laughs> but went under him. Anyways, he underwent heart uh, heart transplant. And following the operation, he was amazed to find that his artistic abilities had changed dramatically. And also the nurses that were in the hospital were too, because they're like, holy shit, yeah, this guy's like stick figure sucked, and he's drawing like portraits of people now. What the fuck? <coughs> it's kind of weird. And the guy was, he, he was a little bit, he was, you know, he, everybody was astonished with it, but he was kind of weirded out by it. Until he 
found out who his donor was, and then he started making sense of it. And his donor was like Pablo king, Picasso. No, oh. I don't know what <laughs> artist it was. I didn't check to be completely honest with you. But it was an artist of some sort. Yeah, he was like a pretty good artist, keen artist. Uh, so I, I, I read this one. It was just like a short headliner article. I didn't like go deep dive into it. But when I started researching, how did this guy have? heart surgery and all of a sudden can draw he had heart surgery it's not like he had fucking brain transplant or i mean uh he had a heart transplant not a brain transplant not right heart surgery but metaphorically the heart is kind of the center of your soul almost in a way yeah but you would think that like most information would be stored in your brain right your brain tells you how to do yeah. shit so that's why so it there's a sense. theory that's called cellular memory theory and it's What? What are you doing? I'm lighting this. Jesus fucking Christ. This thing that we cannot name. Okay. I mean, you can name it. It's our podcast. You that can just crack rock it. I was talking yeah. about earlier? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's a joint. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, ooh, sorry. I flicked the microphone. Jesus, we suck at this. And we're not even drunk. No. I listened to the last episode, and I am sober of alcohol. Oh, my God. Cellular memory is the idea that memories and personality traits can be stored in any individual cells or in other organs, not just in the brain. So uh, this is the story that I'm talking about with the 63-year-old man isn't the only story of its kind. There is actually a study that followed 10 organ transplant recipients and found that there were... uh, two to five parallels with like the donor's history per transplant recipient. Yeah. So these parallels, like they included like a taste of foods and like appetites, Mm. types of music and like arts and sexual behaviors. And, uh, sometimes like (coughs) career professions and recreational sports. It's pretty crazy. Can I ask something? Yeah. So you've heard that theory with paranormal activity that like, if a super intense event happens, it can imprint those emotions or that person in a certain area. Yeah. Do you feel like it's possible that that could relate in some way if both of these things are real and true? You know what I mean? I think so. Yeah. I don't Anyways, know. Just made me think of that. Yeah. And then there's another study that I found that actually they, they just interviewed... Uh, 47 transplant recipients and found that 6% of the precipitants... Whoa. Wow. Patients? Thank you. Patients felt that there were, uh, like, personality changes had been because of their new organs. Oh, that's really scary. Oh! Remember the movie where the lady gets the new eyes? Yeah. 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 Anyways, while there's still a lot that we don't know about the human body... This cellular memory theory sounds and is pretty fucking awesome, but it's considered like placebo science. It's not like real science. What? Why? Though? Because there's no real evidence that you know your personality, memories, and characteristics that were or that are being passed down from your organ donor. So they just haven't studied it. Well, they, they just can't, there's just no evidence. They can't prove it. They can't prove it. No, they can't just be like, okay, I talked to the organ when he was in Nicole's body, uh-huh. and he said that he really loves this, and now that he's in Got it. Stephanie's body, he's saying the same thing. 
And I just don't have anything to leave I mean, to. if enough people are talking about it, though. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I get... I I think anything's possible. I mean, you're literally taking an organ out and putting it in another person. I don't think we were designed to, like, do that. So some weird shit might happen. Yeah. Yeah. And now that we're talking about that, I'm going to get into something weird that I found. Yay. So besides, like, traits and characteristic changes, it's uh, well known that, like, organ transplants can pass infectious diseases from donor to recipient. Right. In rare cases, because... There's. Does your body already have a tolerance to it, and then you pass it to somebody exactly, else? Exactly. Yeah, but in even more rarely, like rarer cases, transplants actually can transmit cancer. What? So, uh, according to lead doctors, I'm not gonna really say names because I can't really say their names because I'm taking some of the shit. Anyways, <laughs> the organ supply. You should give people is credit. Like they're they're pretty much saying that it's like incredibly incredibly safe. That's because oh oh god damn oh, I cannot oh. organ donors yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the organ, organ trail <laughs> organ donors undergo like rigorous I mean like some crazy screening, including family history of diseases such as cancers and you know laboratory tests and. Really crazy shit. So in that 53-year-old case, that donor actually, or sorry, in this 50-year-old case, the donor underwent, like, physical exams, as well as ultrasounds of the abdomen, of the heart, uh, chest x-ray, examinations of the airways. But unfortunately, four people in Europe developed breast cancer after they received organs from that donor. But Three of these patients died from the cancer. Wait. How do they know that that... I'll get into it. Right okay. Now. So, it's pretty crazy. Do, do, yes. Do, 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 this do. was in 2007. A 53-year-old organ, organ <laughs> donor died from a stroke. Oh. This was reported from researchers in the Netherlands and Germany. Okay. So she had no known medical conditions that would like pretty much cancel her out of being able to be an organ, do- organ <laughs> donor. Jesus Christ. Do you know what those things are? Uh, no. No. I don't either. I want to know. I, I know if you have like a really, really crazy disease you die of or crazy injury. Yeah, there's some weird shit. Yeah. I go- I remember reading it, but I didn't take it out of there and put it in my notes. I don't know why. But she actually went uh, like, had multiple tests showing that she had no signs of cancer at all. Doctors transplanted her kidneys, lungs, liver, and heart into donors or into recipients. The heart transplant patient died of related causes shortly after the transplant. So he, they, they died during, because of the heart, the heart transplant. That's a wash, okay. Yeah. But 16 months later, a woman who received the lungs, or the lung transplant, became ill and was found to have cancer in her lymph nodes in her chest. They analyzed the cancer cells 
and revealed that they were actually breast cancer cells and DNA in the cancer cells showed that these cells had come from the organ, organ donor. What? Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? The organ donor. <laughs> That's crazy, That's though. Nuts. So they can't actually, like, mm-hmm. dissect it and be like, this is fucking whatever, Kim's DNA, and this yeah. is... Wow. And the the lung recipient, the cancer actually spread, and she died a year after her cancer diagnosis. Oh, man. So at that time, at the time of her death... Sorry, but you go through all that, like, really think about that. Yeah. Having your lungs or heart or just whatever about, taken out and replaced. Just That's, think about this. After that death happened of the lung recipient dying from her cancer, the other three living patients received the like a notification from the doctors telling them that the lung recipient had died from breast cancer in her in lung? her yeah <laughs> her in her chest yeah. so that the patients needed to come in and undergo testing for cancer which were some of them were initially negative good they did that though but in 2011 the liver transplant patient was found to have breast cancer cells in her liver the patient didn't want to undergo like another liver transplant surgery because she was afraid of like complications which i get and radiation treatment was helping and uh unfortunately the cancer later did return and the patient died in 2014 But why, because they got all different parts of her, like all of them did, so why were there breast cancer cells? Because she had breast cancer. So it was just all through her body? Breast cancer cells all through her body? Well, they're, I don't know about all through her body, but in her blood. So the organs had residual blood, and now it's being washed through her system. So it was just cancer cells, and the breast is where the cancer originated. Yeah. Okay, I think I got it. Because she had breast cancer cells in her liver, the other one had it in her chest. Well, the, okay, never mind. What? I got you. I smell what you are cooking. I pick up what you're throwing down. Okay. The patient I... who received the left kidney was uh, also later diagnosed with breast cancer in 2013, uh, six years after her transplant. The cancer had already spread to many other organs, and the patient passed away about two months later. Fuck. Yes. The 32-year-old man who received the right kidney was diagnosed with breast cancer cells in his, uh, in his transplanted kidney in 2011, mm-hmm. but doctors were able to remove the kidney, and the patient stopped taking drugs to suppress his immune system, and uh, he also underwent like chemotherapy. The treatment was successful, and the man still is cancer-free 10 years after the transplant surgery. So did, he had a kidney left, obviously. Yeah. So why did he get the other kidney implanted? Did well, he I'm can assuming, live with one kidney. I'm assuming they probably removed that one kidney and put a new kidney in. Or they removed it and he just didn't need it. I don't know. You need, you need a kidney. Well, I'm assuming he has one because they also said that he stopped taking drugs to like, not suppress his immune system. Hmm. Weird. Okay. Yeah. So passing cancer through... Organ transplants is very, 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 very uncommon. And, like, transplant recipients have a chance of between 1 in 10,000 and 5 in 10,000 of this happening. So it's, like, really, really low. And I think it was 1 in 10,000 
five and ten thousand I found, but I think one in ten thousand people it would happen to. Higher than I thought it would be. Yeah. Still, even with like the strict procedures in place, it's impossible to screen everything like one hundred percent thoroughly. Like buying a used car. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because like if you really think about it, it it is possible that a CT can CT scan for a donor what like is possible, but it's impractical yeah. to screen all donors this way. Yeah. Because if you perform these tests so much that they'll actually come, some of them will come up as like false positives and you'll be rejecting like a healthy donor. And, you know, that already we're in a kind of a small donor pool because of everything that's going on. People don't want to donate. and Why not in the U.S.? I don't know. It's decreasing and it's already getting this become like a scarce donor pool. That podcast I was listening to said something about California's getting a discount if they're a donor. And I'm like, I've never gotten a fucking discount for being a donor. Have you? Uh, 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 they better give me a discount at like in and out and I shit like that. I think they were just wrong because I've never gotten a discount for... I don't me either. Know. Anyways. I don't think they're in California either, though. Oh. All right. You done? Well, that's all that we got for you guys today. I also want to say my other source... It was foreignpolicy.com. The name of the article was The Rise of the Red Market. It's a really good article. Super interesting if you're into that kind of thing. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram. Email us. Do something. If you want our phone number, email us and ask us for it. But you have to give us a story, and we might give it to you. It's like a bribe because we're never... That sounds like a dangerous game. We're never going to give it to them, but I just want them to email us stories. We literally have a true crime podcast. Here, rob me. Here, come to my house at night. Okay. Come to our house at night. No. Oh, don't Don't do that, that, I guess. (laughs) Don't do that, no. Oh, why not? What's so scary about that? Because I don't know who's going to be coming, and I like my space. Whatever, pussy. Sure, I'm a We could have our own story, our own true crime story. I was trying to set it up for us. I don't want my own true crime story. Unless it's me stumbling across a crime scene, I'd be totally cool with that. Nothing in my home. That is all. All right, guys. This is supposed to be a mini episode. It's not too many. We haven't put in the intro, and we're still at, what, 43 minutes. So, hope you enjoyed it. Also, we need more ideas for episodes. So message us on social media, send us a Gmail at boozebsandtruecrime at gmail.com um, and give us some ideas for themes or cases or, yeah. Anything. Anything. Just hit us up. Please? Okay, bye. Bye.